Hi, I'm Emma, and welcome to the Unnotted podcast, where we are not topics of foreign interest. Today, I have the honor to welcome Estonia's ambassador to Ukraine, Mr. Kaimagusk, to our podcast. Hello, and thank you for being here. Greetings from uh, Kyiv. Uh, it's my pleasure to, to join uh, your program, and thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being here again. And the topics of our show today is going to be, of course, uh, the war in Ukraine, but also we're going to discuss a bit about the recent uh, parliamentary elections that were held in Estonia. So to start off, I'm going to ask you um, that the war in Ukraine, firstly, has been going on for over a year, over a year now. How has your personal perception of the war um, change during this time? Uh, well, the war has lasted uh, more than nine years between uh, Russia and Ukraine, started 2014, beginning. And as uh, Russia saw that uh, it cannot uh, reach its goals uh, with uh, those days means, they started a full-scale uh, war a year ago, 24th of uh, February, which actually is also Estonian Independence Day. Uh, well, my view on this war definitely has changed. I uh, thought, maybe hoped, that if uh, Ukraine is able to hurt the aggressor, uh, hurt painfully enough, and I thought 10,000 casualties from Russian side will be enough, Russia will uh, pull back. But uh, my assessment uh, or hope was actually wrong. Uh, and at the moment, it seems that uh, Nothing less than beating Russia on a battlefield uh, is needed to end the war and to, to well, achieve the situation when in future Russia will not uh, attack its uh, neighbor or neighbors again. Well, uh, I think as well that the war has been going on much longer than we have anticipated for. And as we saw with Corona, which was going on for longer than we hoped, people got tired of it. What do you think? How long will it take for people and especially Western allies to get tired of the war? Well, it uh, depends on the situation in the battlefield. It depends uh, which uh, atrocities or horrors Russia will commit and uh, well in that sense we shouldn't be surprised that uh, surprised that uh, Russia will uh, uh, well execute horrors uh, among uh, civilian population uh, and it will remind uh, uh, us uh, who we are uh, here in Ukraine uh, or somewhere uh, far away uh, what is actually going on so uh, war is war is continuing uh, people are not getting used to some situations people and human beings always getting used to uh, even difficult situations there's an old saying i think that uh, the things which not killing you uh, making you stronger uh, don't like this saying very much. I like uh, Estonian pop singer. 
Iris or Iris uh, sang uh, a song where she said that uh, things that doesn't kill you make you stranger. So uh, definitely make Ukraine and uh, Russia stranger to each other for centuries. Uh, I also I, I like the saying uh, that life will catch you. Life will catch you also during the wartime. People are needed to to to, to go on with their everyday doings, uh, being with their family, falling in love, uh, uh, etc. So uh, I will not call it to being tired so much. Uh, it's uh, you're getting uh, you're getting used to the realities you are living. It's not uh, shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't get uh, used to war. At the same time, uh, that's how uh, your uh, own mind uh, preserves you and uh, helps you to act in difficult situations as well. So I hope that uh, such a tiredness uh, will uh, will not uh, be widespread in the meaning of that uh, I will turn off, out the TV, radio or podcast, uh, not just to realize that somewhere war is going on, continuing. And the war in Ukraine has uh, tremendously affected us in Estonia as well, and the country of Estonia. Um, from uh, Ukrainian refugees to electricity prices. But one of the latest things that we have seen is that, um, for example, the Russian tank destroyed by Ukrainian forces is currently on display in Estonia. And it has received mixed reviews and gained attention in the media as well. What would you say to people who are not in favor of displaying it? and even show dislike for, for example, Ukrainian flags in the public setting? Well, this uh, war yeah, have touched, uh, I think, almost all in the world. Our Foreign Minister Ormas Reinsalu has uh, said here in Kyiv very well uh, that uh, it's not the world war, but the world is in war. So uh, people, on uh, other countries feeling really the, the rise of the price of uh, food, electricity, uh, even uh, petrol or gas in gas stations. But I can confirm you, uh, worse than uh, rising prices when you don't have electricity at all. And I have felt it in, uh, in Kiev. If we're talking about this destroyed tank, well, I think uh, this uh, tank really gives us uh, in Estonia a touch of reality. Uh, it's, uh, it's reminding us that this war, what is continuing here, is really real. That it's not a two-dimensional screenshot that you can switch off uh, if you don't feel comfortable enough with that. It's a real, it's a real peace from this war, and this peace is not hurting you. It's not uh, that someone, uh, someone uh, can feel the blast of a rocket or missile, which exploding near you. 
two days ago, we were in Jatomer, 150 kilometers from Kiev with our minister. We stayed overnight in a hotel and three kilometers from our hotel, Iranian drone exploded. Uh, so uh, not very far from us. That's the reality, uh, what you don't want others to feel. And but about this tank, one, another thing I think I, I would uh, suggest we should look at that uh, with a slight black humor, what helps also to overcome the war is that uh, let's take it as a report of the audit. Estonia has given uh, Ukraine some military aid, quite, quite significant actually. And this tank is like a report of how our military aid has been used. It has, has been used uh, uh, according to its purpose. So nothing has lost, uh, nothing has uh, been stolen or corrupt. No, it has been used on purpose and that's the evidence of, uh, of, uh, of that. So that's my suggestion. Two, two things or two ways how to look at that. That's a great way to look at it because when I went and saw it for the first time in Tartu I saw mixed reviews. There were um, security guards who were guarding it, there were children who were uh, climbing on it, there was someone who put um, red uh, flowers and some icons on it and there were people who took them off. Um, so it's getting mixed reviews, but right now I think mostly it's still positive and people review it uh, the uh, way you put it, that it's like a report on what's been done with our, uh, our help to Ukraine. Totally agree. It's uh, for our, for us Estonians, I think it's a little bit also, a, how to say, a psychological relief that uh, for uh, several uh, several ages, uh, Estonians have live, uh, lived under the fear of uh, Russian uh, tank. Either it's uh, when we have been occupied or uh, when we are preparing to repel the possible aggression. So now we can see that, hey, even this, uh, this kind of uh, metal beast is possible to destroy and destroy very efficiently with uh, uh, Javelin missiles Estonia has donated and Estonia has actually in its stocks. Uh, well, that's, yeah, that's the piece from the war. Before we move on to the parliamentary elections that were held, I would like to ask a quick question about the recent uh, Chinese president visit to Moscow. Uh, what kind of thoughts has that uh, given you? What do you think uh, we will see from uh, China's and the Russian side and their cooperation? Uh, sadly, uh, to my view, uh, China has chosen the side and uh, chosen the wrong side of history. Uh, chosen to be on the side of dictators and authoritarian uh, regimes. Uh, uh, I hope you, you noticed that at the same time uh, there were uh, Japanese Prime Minister in Kyiv. So Asia has been split uh, as, as well. So two mighty powers have chosen the side 
Japan is in the side of free world as, as we are as well. So these are my quick comments on laptop. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't know that, that Japan had a, um, wasn't a, a Kiev at that time, but nice to know, but. That, that was an event, it was short notice. Uh, also, I think also demonstrate that actually it was uh, quickly prepared. And uh, why I know it very well is that our foreign minister was at the same time, uh, same day in Kiev, and uh, and we had some logistical challenges to uh, adjust uh, uh, calendars and adjust the meetings uh, and and the times at that time and that day. But it, everything worked out. Oh. so uh, talking about the stone and politics. Uh, the recently held parliamentary elections in Estonia that were on the 5th of March showed us that there are people, primarily in Nidaviruma, supporting candidates that have said um, um, talking points resembling to Kremlin and Kremlin's uh, talking points. Um, could this segregate our Russian community more? Or actually, how could Russia itself use these election results uh, for their propaganda? Well, first, I, I, I'm slightly surprised that we are still surprised that uh, we have uh, those kind of people. I think it's a little bit of wishful thinking. Uh, we have fallen to our comfort zone, thinking that, uh, that Estonia is a very uh, dynamic, uh, successful uh, country. We have catched uh, uh, Spain, uh, for example, in our living standard, and that's that's I think uh, achievement. Absolutely, I will. Uh, I'm uh, I'm amazed myself. But at the same time, there's always, always in every country, but not only country, but in every uh, working uh, team, nothing to do. There's a ten percent of people who will uh, work against the leadership. There's a constant. You you can do everything uh, what what uh, what uh, do you want, but there's always a ten percent who are not satisfied and not only satisfied passively, but they will actively work against you. So it, the problem will occur then when the percent will uh, uh, rise or keep rising. So I'm uh, pretty sure that Estonian power structures. Uh, were well aware uh, that uh, there are people who are looking uh, with some nostalgia, with some uh, some I don't know imagine imaginary uh, uh, well feelings towards uh, Russian Empire, and uh, these uh, elections it was just a reality check. It wasn't uh, a start of something. It was uh, like a photo from the moment, more, uh, moment actually. So uh, I think it will not segregate more. It's not uh, the reason. It's it's exactly the the, the the picture from from the moment. Segregation is already there, and Russia has done. Uh, huge efforts 
uh, to have these kind of people. And our power structures, including internal security service, uh, have uh, done a good uh, job in uh, recent years, uh, actually during the last uh, 30 years and more, to stop it and diminish it. Uh, well, so, so in case of propaganda, Russia will uh, do it against us always. For Russia, there is no peacetime. Uh, we in the West, and I mean, and think Estonia is also part of the West, we have enjoyed uh, peacetime, thinking that uh, then we almost don't need to spend on security issues. Uh, actually, with a neighbor like Russia, Sadly, it's not uh, the case. Uh, you have to, you have to invest uh, into security. There's a good saying what uh, our foreign intelligence have used that there's never too much love, there's never too much security. So you have to invest into, into that. So um, yeah, that's uh, how I see it. And in case of Russian propaganda, they will invent uh, whatever they would like and whatever they think is uh, useful for them. So uh, we shouldn't very much overthink or over being over vulnerable of uh, how something uh, will look like. They will uh, create fake uh, news, uh, partly fake news. Uh, we can also, also uh, remind this uh, good saying that uh, that a good story shouldn't be disturbed by the by the facts. So I think that's the motto of uh, Russian propaganda quite always. Well, my next question really greatly ties in with something that you just said. That's it's some sort of peacetime for Western nations when they uh, uh, are in communication with Russia, but. Also, the main topic of the Estonian election was defense and security that you just mentioned that is really important. And it got a lot of attention in debates, election programs, and also the party's promises that they uh, promised to uh, our people. But why wasn't it uh, such a priority before the war started? Russia has always been a neighbor, as you just said, or is it just the fact that you already mentioned that there's some sort of peace time when Western nations communicate with Russia. Russia has been a topic uh, in previous elections as well, actually. Uh, I can remind, uh, remember some politicians who have some murky, shady, grey uh, connections with Russia. Uh, well, saying that, hey, please don't use Russia card uh, again or something like that. Uh, Russia card is always uh, there, has been and uh, will be in our election topics uh, for sure in the future also. Uh, because uh, in case of uh, Estonia, country of our size, uh, uh, security issues are related to foreign policy. Our foreign policy is very security related and security issues related uh, 
field. And the same with uh, domestic policies. You, you can't. The domestic policy economy, they are not uh, existing in vacuum. Uh, they are interrelated and uh, they are important uh, for our people. So uh, they, they were in the past as well uh, in our election topics. But this year, uh, more than ever, because we have a, we have a war in Europe which has uh, size we have not uh, seen and felt uh, during the last 70 years. So, uh, so this is the reason uh, the war is uh, happening, war is going on, uh, still going on, and it's really, really hard to predict uh, when the Ukraine will finally win it. So that's, that's the reason uh, we discussed it uh, uh, more than in previous cases of elections. But now that the elections are over and a new coalition is being formed, the new government is being formed, what are your hopes, wishes for the new government to do in the next four years uh, concerning uh, especially foreign politics? Uh, well, uh, I think uh, now is the, the time when we have to push NATO to be a more military organization than political organization. Uh, it's, it's usually, it's the mixture, it's the political military alliance, uh, as, as usually has been said. But uh, in uh, these uh, days of heavy metal, uh, you, you need put more stress on uh, actual military capabilities. Uh, uh, we can read from our newspapers uh, how uh, Western countries are struggling to, to have enough ammunition to, to support uh, Ukraine, for example. That shows that we need to, need to invest more on that uh, direction and that's the Estonian task to push other countries also to this direction. Uh, second, uh, I think uh, we have to work, I mean Estonia, with our European Union colleagues to achieve closer uh, economic relations with the uh, United States of America, so Northern America. If I'm saying economic, that doesn't mean that it, it's not the foreign policy issue. It's very much a foreign policy issue. It's, uh, it's the, the thing what diplomats should uh, achieve and uh, state leaders, of course, have to, have to decide and task uh, diplomats to do. And uh, the third uh, point, uh, uh, how can I say something else? Uh, we need to continue to support Ukraine and we need to push Ukraine and help them to do the homework to get into European Union and uh, NATO. That's, uh, that's uh, two organizations in the world which actually uh, are efficiently working. They are not ideal, no, but uh, no other organization in the world foreign organization or international organization actually are as efficient as those two are. So those are my uh, wishes uh, and I will, I will say directly to our ministers as well uh, 
well, they are visiting Kiev quite often. Oh, uh, you just mentioned this uh, European oh. Union, and it is uh, become and put on the pedestal this last year concerning uh, supporting Ukraine and how to talk uh, tackle the war. Um, what do you see? Is it has it become more of a political organization than an economical one? Well, as I as I mentioned, uh, you can't have one uh, in vacuum uh, without the other. The, the things are in, uh, related. Uh, uh, I have argued with some uh, some uh, people from banks uh, that uh, who has said that uh, well, I'm dealing only with economy. Uh, and the politics are, uh, let's keep the politics away. Uh, no, well, capital always has a, has a homeland or fatherland. And if uh, this capital comes from authoritarian uh, state, uh, this capital is uh, corrupt uh, from the beginning. So political issues and economic issues are very much interrelated. The European Union and its uh, bigger states have quite uh, quite much talked uh, about being a geopolitical uh, power but geopolitical power is not uh, achievable without uh, might so that's why we also see uh, european union to make more and more steps in uh, in military field, uh, like I already me mentioned, this uh, acquiring uh, additional ammunition uh, to help uh, ourselves and to help uh, Ukraine as well. So, yeah, purely economic uh, mm, organization, uh, well, can't exist, I think. That's my opinion. Even, even joining that uh, hypothetical economic organization you are making a political step already yes that's the way to put it but you also mentioned that the importance of uh, cooperating with the united states of america but suppose the war continues into 2024 and 2025 in that case we could face that the new president of the united states could be again donald trump he has promised to end the war quickly, but at the same time, uh, praise Putin, promised to have peace, uh, peace to a deal, and has said to be okay with losing some territory to, of Ukraine to Russia as well. And even with, uh, talking about uh, withdrawing from NATO. So what would you say is realistic to happen once Trump is back in power? Usually there's a, one thing what uh, what you are promising before the elections and the other thing is uh, the reality you are facing after uh, after the election results have been counted uh, and you have been uh, presented the security brief uh, the brief about uh, state budget situation uh, etc what is definitely clear that if this scenario happens uh, uh, US politics will become more unpredictable 
and this definitely uh, is more uh, well, a challenge for uh, its natural allies, what the EU is definitely is. But uh, even US uh, in the most, most uh, egoistic moment uh, needs allies uh, in the current world uh, against uh, China, against uh, Russian challenge, uh, uh, even US can't uh, cope alone. So allies are, are needed. Uh, allies uh, themselves, uh, I mean, uh, EU countries have to get out of uh, our comfort zone. Uh, I mean, for example, uh, investing into security more at least 2% of GDP Estonia is reaching the free, but, uh, but uh, hearing some countries complain how they can't uh, invest into, into security or uh, that they would choose to be neutral like Switzerland or, or uh, well, Moldova, who is changing their mind as well, or Austria, it's uh, quite... Uh, disastrous uh, to themselves and the others as well. So, yeah, unpre unpredictability slightly, but even in that, in that case, there's a channel where, where the leader of US uh, probably will swim. But when talking about the allies, we see the US as our biggest partner, maybe. What do you say to people who say that the NATO ally forces are too too dependent on US forces and new uh, US aid? Well, that's uh, the, the, the other countries have chosen it by themselves, not investing into security, nothing to do. US is the mightiest uh, power in the world. Uh, the military means intelligence gathering and, uh, and implementation uh, uh, capabilities. Uh, well, no one has uh, has uh, forced others to to hold themselves uh, back. Actually, so my my call is definitely that uh, our Western partners should invest more into security. Yes, and if Donald J. Trump is going to be the U.S. president again. May we see maybe a meeting with him and Putin or him and Xi Jinping? What would that say to the allies right now who are who who have chosen a side to be with Ukraine, with the Western forces against China, against Russia? Well, it's. Uh... No, well, it's it's hard to predict. Hopefully, this meeting then will take place in Putin's funeral. Okay, well, but this was my last topical question. But to end this interview, uh, I would like to end it on a positive note. So, as we both know, the last year has been a horrific one. But I would ask you to share a moment from this past year that you have um, experienced that was beautiful, has brought a smile to your face and made you feel hopeful? Well, it's uh, probably 
birthdays of my daughters uh, when I have a possibility to visit my family in Estonia or uh, hiking trip we are doing uh, with my best friends every summer uh, for a few days uh, and sitting at the bonfire or uh, grabbing my motorcycle in a warm summer day and, and riding uh, some uh, curvy roads in North uh, Estonia. Yeah, I think it's nice to and really important to have those times for yourself and really get just for a moment outside of those um, so situations that you have at hand at your work. And um, I think that this is a positive note to end this post podcast on. I would like to thank all of our listeners listening right now. And I would like to thank you, Kaimo, for being here and answering all of my questions. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. And we usually end uh, with uh, wishing uh, Slava Ukraini. Slava Ukraini.